Hello, hey, hey, bonjour, I'm Gwen Lafage, and this is B2B Marketing FICA, a series of casual interviews with B2B marketers in Europe. Real stories, real tips from the people who are actually doing the real work on the ground. Let's grab a coffee and a bully and let's get started. Hello, um, today my guest is uh, Miko Luftava. Um, he is head of marketing at Vainu. Um, Vainu is a software company um, that offers real time company, company data uh, platform for sales and marketing. Welcome, Miko. Hi, Gwen. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, welcome to this little uh, fika. Um, I hope you have your, um, your coffee ready. <laughs> I do. I have my turtle's mug in front of me. So, I'm Perfect. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> Let's uh, start. So you've um, you've become VP of marketing for Vainu about well, quite recently, but less than two years ago, right? Yeah, just over a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. I I was running our New York office on the sales side before, and then came back to Finland. We had a daughter on the way, so um, it was a logical time to come back to Helsinki. And then I've been running the marketing team ever since. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, so you you switched from sales and from sales to to marketing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It was like your own decision. Um, yeah, I do have a background in marketing. I studied marketing back in school, and then uh, a previous company where I was managing director. We built a brand from scratch, and it was more of a marketing play than a sales play at the time. So I was leading that. But um, I joined Vinu about five years ago and started on the sales side, and I had done sales before that as well. But I have never myself seen much of a difference between. I think sales and marketing are two sides to the coin on a customer acquisition journey. So I haven't seen a huge difference between the two. Obviously, the tactics are a bit different, but it was something that we knew at Vinu. If I were to come back, that's probably the role that I'd take. Right. Okay. What does your um, team look like? We're a total of 10 people. Um, we Vinu has offices across Europe and how we've set up the marketing team is that we have five people responsible for different disciplines globally. So somebody's leading content marketing, somebody's leading online acquisition, customer marketing, and so on. And then we have um, somebody responsible for every single geographic market where we're in. So Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands, and, and that's how the team is set up. So kind of a matrix organization yeah. Okay. Interesting. And um, you, um, so Vainu's been through a pretty big transformation in the past uh, in the past year or so. So from from you said being in the U.S. and re concentrating yourself again on the European market. Yep. So we provide how we how we phrase it these days is that we provide GDPR compliant, um, reliable, and detailed information on companies, and that it updates in real time. And we we had been growing fairly quickly. We started back in 2014, and then um, you know grew very quickly across Europe, and then expanded to the states as well. But we noticed that from our existing customer base, we were seeing that the types of companies that really used us were on the larger side. So, uh, you know, mid-market and enterprise and really using our data across all of their different customer interactions. So we wanted to go up market. And then why Europe specifically, it, it, it we noticed while, while being in the States that um, just how Americans and Europeans sell is a bit different. Uh, the need for data is a bit different. America is very high volume and it's focused on emails and phone numbers obviously with gdpr that's a bit tougher to even do in europe but then also um 
the the information and the way that people sell is a bit different. So we ended up then um, kind of refocusing and we wanted to focus on GDPR compliant data and, and specifically in the European market. What would you say is the, the biggest difference on how like American sell versus European? Are they more aggressive? <laughs> uh, in, in style, definitely. It's a lot more to the point. It's a lot more high volume. Uh, I think in the States, a typical sales cadence will have like 16 touch points in, you know, in Finland, for instance, where I'm out of right now, I can, I mean, the prime minister's phone number is on the website, so you can just call, I mean, they probably won't pick up themselves, but it's, <laughs> it's an option. And usually if you make three phone calls, you're going to get a hold of somebody. Um, so it is definitely a different, just the quality of conversation needs to be better. I feel in, in Europe in terms of the, um, well, I, I I think the quality of the conversation needs to be good everywhere, but but in the states, it's more of a volume business to even get a hold of those people and get in front of them and get the, get the conversation flowing. And, and in Europe, that's a bit easier. Yeah, maybe they rely more on automation. Uh, I mean, it's not uncommon that you sign up for a downloading a white paper for like an American company, and all of a sudden you receive emails every day for the past for the next <laughs> two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that in, for instance, the Nordic countries, just that um, people are more open to real conversations and the fact that you're actually using, for instance, data in the conversation and being very relevant and to the point you can have lower volumes and still hit the same numbers of meetings that you're running, for instance, compared to the American counterparts. So right. it, it the vol you know, in, in America, we were running 100 phone calls to get two meetings. And if we did 100 phone calls, in in the Nordics, we'd be the best salesperson every month. That person would so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get okay. a lot of meetings with a hundred phone calls. I feel in, in, in right. Nordics. Okay, okay. That's uh, that's interesting. So it's a very it's a pretty big difference there. Do you feel that that mean the the need somehow oh, it gets faster to talking to a salesperson in Europe than it is in the U.S. and there's like a bigger need for marketing automation and using content as like a um, a, a mean to, I guess, to, to send, yeah, content to people in their inbox versus in Europe when you, you jump faster to like a sales discussion? I, I think it's really hard to stand out in the States. There's obviously so much noise and so much competition. So you do need to try a bunch of different tactics across a bunch of different channels. And I do feel that in Europe, it's maybe easier to have you know, a couple really good channels and, and craft those to perfection. And, and that'll be a great way to bring in a steady stream of leads. Obviously, then you can build on top of that and, and expand. But I think in the States, it's hard to just be good at one thing. You, you need right. really, really be good. At uh, yeah, high volume. What's your uh, preferred channels for Vainu? Um for Vinu, we've actually seen, I mean, overall content has been excellent for us over the years. I feel it probably has to do with our space. We've noted we're selling to salespeople and marketers. So that those types of buyers tend to be always looking and, and staying on top of new things going on and new technology and different skills and making sure that they're up to, up to speed with things. So we've been creating a lot of content in different formats on how do we, you know, this is the way to use data to be on top of your game in sales or marketing. And that's typically resonated very well. So even in 2015, when I started with the company, that's, we were already had a blog with consistent 
you know, followership and, and a lot of views and a lot of interest. And that's been a great starting point for a lot of the conversations as well that we then have. So when we do get leads, they usually know a bit about us. They know about our vision and the way we believe sales and marketing should be done. And that starts the conversations a bit warmer, I feel, than, um, than just, you know, pure ad spend and trying to get in as many contacts as possible and turning it that way. Right. So a lot of content through, through blogs or like, a, so through your SEO strategy, or do you also use, I know I've seen some, some webinars and what are yeah. the things that have been working really well for you? Yeah. Webinars, eBooks. Um, obviously we have a blog we're posting, publishing every week with different angles. Usually that'll be a bit more specific. So like ways to use company information um, to enrich leads for different use cases, or this is, you know, this is how an industry could use company information, stuff like that. And then um, eBooks are maybe more like the high level introductory stuff. This is, you know, a beginner's guide to account-based marketing or something like that. Um, and then webinars will be, usually we'll in invite different experts to talk about those same subjects that that we're writing about in our own, own, own channels. Otherwise, we also, um, now we're, trying to do more and more video. That's something that we're looking into right now. We're going to be publishing a, an online masterclass, which is very, a very specific guide to using data and different workflows. So we're, we're mixing it up as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. And, and Vinu has grown pretty fast, right? Like in, in a few years, you went from, from three to like 150 people in, in about four years, right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, what's, What's the secret behind that? Like, uh, what was the, <laughs> what power that growth at the beginning? I, I think especially in the beginning, I was employee number 20. So it's been fun to see it from that starting point to, to now. I think we've been extremely good at keeping things simple. So at the beginning, especially we had this mantra that if it, if it's not, adding new customers, if it's not keeping existing customers happy, or it's not improving our product, or it's not you know, making the team happy, then we shouldn't be doing it. And everything that we did was kind of looking at those four things and, and keeping it very simple. So um, we were, we've always had numbers at the focus of everything as well. So it's been literally looking at these are the KPIs and then just everything we do falls under those KPIs. So it, it's, um, I think we've kept it very straight to the point and that's helped because the metrics have been the right ones and they've been measuring the growth. It's, it's led us to that growth path as well. Right. Interesting. Do you, um, do you feel that marketing has played a big role in that growth? Definitely. And even more so we talked, we touched on that transformation and, and going up market and working with larger companies as well. And I think there, especially when we did that transformation, it was in many ways a marketing led one, right? We did a rebranding at the time. We did a full, you know, our product was being transformed in the same, at the same time to better cater to different and deeper use cases. And then you know, there was a lot of product marketing work there. There was a lot of um, simplified messaging towards our buyers, but at the same time, then that content machine and just building the awareness and making people understand what I think our product's pretty easy to understand, like company data. Okay. You get it. But the, the trick and the interesting part is what can you do with that? And that's what the content and the marketing side has been really good to highlight different kinds of ways and possibilities that data provides to, you know, any sales and marketing team and B2B. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. 
Okay, yeah, that's uh that's that's very uh interested interesting. And um you so the the solution that you have um provide sure. a lot of, of data that I'm sure you use for your own marketing, right? Will you say that I've empowered your marketing to be more precise and more data driven? <laughs> Definitely. I think it um Obviously, we're pulling data. We use HubSpot as our main tool mm -hmm. on the marketing side, and, and we pull in data from everything. So we're seeing buy new usage data from our customers. We're seeing their, you know, we have a CS platform with all the metrics on how, how our customers are performing. And then obviously, we have the sales data. Um, but then the kind of missing piece is understanding what's happening in the different companies that we're interacting with and that's where we bring in the vinyl data into all of our systems so it's like if i get a hundred ebook downloads and i know nothing about the companies where these people are working it's very hard for me in b2b to know which leads i should be following and which ones not it's an obvious miss but then for instance vinyl we're interested in companies that of a certain size that have a CRM or marketing automation tool in place. And the fact that we see what systems they're using right away when they convert into leads, for instance, helps us be more personalized and more, um, you know, more tailored in our outreach when we're talking to these people and really show that we actually understand what they're going through and how we can specifically help them. So um, it, I would be, uh, I would hate not having that type of information when working with leads because it's made our life a lot easier for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, yeah. Of course. I mean, of course I wouldn't expect less than you, you use your own product. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it integrated perfectly with HubSpot and um, mm -hmm. what kind of um, other tech tools um, do you use? Yeah, I mean, we use a ton, obviously. Um, HubSpot's our main workhorse. And again, bringing in data from different systems and most of our operations run through there. We use Ahrefs for SEO, uh, obviously running different ads tools um, to to work on the paid acquisition side. But I, I'd say most of what we do runs through HubSpot. That's clearly the core piece yeah. in, in the puzzle. So do you use HubSpot both for your CRM marketing automation and your website CMS? Um, website marketing automation. Currently, our sales is in a different platform, but uh, we are planning to have everything in one system. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. And um, any other tools that you you recommend as part of your marketing tech stack that you think are like super useful? <laughs> Um, well, maybe at least for us, it's not really a marketing tool, but just an overall management tool. But I've noticed that we're 10 people and different markets and different responsibilities at our marketing team size already documentation and the importance of that has gone up significantly. So we use a tool called Notion for just dumping all of our different how-to guides and different processes and stuff in there. And that's been something that makes life a lot easier because... Um, again, if we organize a webinar, it can be run in five different languages or six different languages across different markets by different people. So the fact that we want to be sure that we're running the process the same way in all different markets is, is um, sometimes a challenge. So making yeah. sure that we're good at documenting everything has been key. Nice. That's a notion. Yep. Good, good tip. Um, sounds Great. Um, and you, we, we touched a little bit about the structure of your team. Is like everybody reporting directly to you or how is your team structured? 
Yeah, uh, it's a matrix organization. So officially the local marketing managers are under the country organization. There's a country manager that they report to, but they're also a part of all the marketing meetings. So basically they're, they know everything that's happening in Sweden, for example, and everything that's happening across the marketing team. And, and um, it works well because obviously locally, if I'm marketing in a specific country, the fact that I can understand exactly um, my market and how people are, you know, the narratives and storylines going on in that market and be uh, current and on topic with the things that are happening in the market is very valuable. But at the same time, there's obviously global efforts that we're doing that'll have benefits of scale. So kind of tapping into both resources has been very helpful for us. Right. So it's a pretty flat uh, organization. Is is that common in, in Finland? Is it the same as in Sweden, Sweden like very flat organizations? Yes. Um, I think the only difference between Swedes and Finns is that Swedes talk a lot more and Finns have less to say, but the same hierarchy <laughs> is, it's exactly the same in terms of hierarchy, I feel. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's when I moved to, to Sweden, that's what uh, people said about the, the Finns. I already said that the, the Swedish were definitely talking less than the Americans, you know, like yeah. being less extrovert. Um, sure. So yeah, I think maybe the, the Finns go to yet another level. Of I, I remember when uh, when we opened a Swedish office, the number of words that salespeople would have to use to book a meeting in Sweden versus in Finland was like three times more. The discussions just took so much longer to actually book the same meeting. Wow. Um, so yeah, Finns are more <laughs> to the point, I feel. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting to kind of get into the, the cultural differences and uh, the, um, and you focus mostly on, on the Nordics, but also expanding into the rest of Europe, right? Yeah, we have an office in the Netherlands as well. And, and overall expanding into Europe is, is our plan. Um, where we don't have physical presence in other markets yet, though. Right. Okay. And you feel that the um, expanding in a market needs a physical presence? Not necessarily. Um, the part that we've seen is very beneficial being in company data and, and looking at an individual market that we, we pride ourselves in being very deep with the information we have. So really, uh, you know, we have vehicle data in Nordic markets, for instance, these kinds of data sets that not most providers will have in the system. And we do need to have a certain level of local presence to prove that we actually understand how the market works and that our database is of a high quality that they can trust in that market. But mm -hmm. not, I mean, from, from a acquisition standpoint, you know, it's, we could just as well have, um, like a free trial product than somebody signing up through our website and, and then starting those discussions there as well. It's, Right. it's just worked for us so far so we've continued with the local presence approach yeah and the um the localization of your content i guess you uh you tend to do everything in local languages yeah and again it kind of points to that um it, if i want to use data in my systems i need to trust that it's going to be reliable and local and if we're um, speaking to people in their local language that builds that legitimacy and trust i feel Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, great. We um, well, this year has been a pretty specific year, and we're getting close to the end uh, of it. <laughs> um, do you have any marketing production prediction for 2021? Ooh, um, specifically for marketing. Um, 
we actually have a blog on our site that was just highlighted with six sales trends for next year. I think one part for B2B and for the space that we're in, one thing that we're seeing a lot more of in the different discussions we're having with salespeople and marketers is that people are talking about having all their data in one place in a customer data platform where you know, all the information from different systems are being combined and then it's all being used to be as relevant as possible on different kinds of things. Uh, an example for Vinu would be that, you know, any, and, and I was talking about that, we combine all our data into one system and then, then uh, continue from there. So for instance, when a certain kind of change happens, that could, let's say uh, a new sales director starts at a company that could trigger an automatic workflow where we're sending an email, email to that person congratulating them on the new role and sharing resources to them from our content database, for instance. So, or putting them in an ad campaign or something like that. I think more and more of this type of using all the data in the company to build out different automations is is probably something that we'll see because now the tools are out there to do that. Right. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today and it was, uh, it was great. Thanks for all your insights and I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Of course, thanks so much, Gwen. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by Skoda, a full service creative agency with offices in San Francisco and Stockholm, which transforms B2B companies into brave brands.